0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my wife, her name is...
1: Just Jen.
0: Oh, I love that. Yes. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! I'm excited
1: Okay. Why?
0: Because we have a fascinating guest coming on the show that I'm going to tell you about in a few minutes. But it just—it's it's, hope filling. It's encouraging. It's about kids. It's about books. It's about God. It's about all kinds of awesomeness. And I'm—I'm I'm just excited. Okay. Okay. You know what? I never expected to be so dang hope filled <laughs> doing this podcast.
1: I know. Has it been surprising to you? It's been very surprising because some of these stories, you know, are hard. Yes. But we always leave hope-filled.
0: Is it, is it hope-filling even though sometimes I got to kind of drag you here kick, kicking and screaming? Yes. But yet you come out of it hope-filled.
1: I always come out of it hope-filled.
0: You do. Mm-hmm. I love that. So are you mm-hmm. glad are are you glad that we are making our mark in the audio world through this podcast? Of
1: course. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, huh? we're doing a good thing.
0: I think we are too. Yeah. We're starting to get messages from people.
1: I know. Text that's messages
0: crazy. telling them telling us how, you know, we've impacted them and that's mm-hmm. that, that's like that's awesome.
1: That's why we're doing it. I know. You know, help it's, others.
0: And so how are you doing overall?
1: I'm doing great.
0: I feel like you're doing awesome. You've got my favorite, favorite shirt on ever. I do. Yes. I love that shirt. So, you know, Jen and <laughs> I, we love Mexico. It, Mexico has a piece of our heart, a big piece of our heart. And so she's wearing the shirt right now that says El Squacho.
2: <laughs> and it's got
0: a Sas- picture of a Sasquatch and he's wearing a sombrero. Yes. And he's walking along the cactuses. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I know. Maybe maybe, maybe you can get me one of those shirts for my 50th birthday.
1: Oh, okay. You want an El Squatcho?
0: Yeah, something like that. It's just cool.
1: I know. I Which only very wear funky. cool things. Yeah,
0: you're you're rad. I you're, am you're cool funky rad, rad and yeah. you, you got good stuff. I like it. You're a hippie <laughs> at heart.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was going through my closet and getting rid of a bunch of stuff and Sean's like, uh, is, y- is there anything in there for me that you're getting rid of? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I already put them on your shelf.
0: <laughs> so, occasionally, I might uh, acquire one of Jen's shirts.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Occasionally. Yes.
1: Now, it used to be I, I couldn't fit out. in them. Yeah.
0: used to be I couldn't fit in them at all. Right. But, you know, since I've, you know, slimmed down a little so bit. So, we've
1: kind of like gone to this thing where I I think you were a large and now you're a medium. Yeah. And then I was a medium and now I'm a small. Yes. So, we've kind of done this little shifting game and now my medium shirts that, you know, are like guy or girl shirts.
0: Yeah. You I was going to go shopping take. in your closet. Like you were going through what you were going to donate and everything like that. And I just see this. And just to give you context, I mean, Jen's, Jen's closet is, I mean, there's like virtually no dresses. It's like jeans and t-shirts. That's like <laughs> what her closet is yep. like. Like that's that's your preferred yes, dress attire. I don't
1: wear dresses. I'm not that fancy.
0: Now, I I have a little sliver of the closet. I probably mm-hmm. have like... of it and then the rest of it is your stuff
1: yeah my and the thing is is like the stuff that I wear like I might wear like five t-shirts and five pairs of pants and all the other stuff is just stuff
0: you know it's it's so funny though because you do you do end up keeping stuff like I know what you mean Mm -hmm. because I used to be a fan of you know true religion jeans and I had true religion and those things were not cheap and yeah you know since I've lost weight none of them none of them fit me but it's it's just hard to get rid of it
1: Right, I think you know? because you know it, you've paid for it, yeah, <laughs> and so you're like, I can't just throw it out. Like, yeah. I need to give it to somebody or some, you know, some kind of goodwill, which I don't even think is open right now. So. We
0: we need to have that uh, that woman that does cleansing. Uh, there's there's two. We watched that new show, The Home Edit, right? You know, on Netflix. But uh-huh. the the Maria Maria Kondo Kondo or whatever. Maria she Kondo. she needs to, like we just need to purge.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Everyone does. (laughs) Like, we need to all just have uh, five shirts and five pants.
0: Yes, I agree. All right. Well, let's move on with our Hope Radio podcast. It's time for funny time.
1: Funny time.
0: You get to tell a funny. I get to tell a funny. Okay. And then our listeners get to decide which one was funnier.
1: Oh, I've never heard any of our listeners tell us which one was funnier. Well,
0: certainly. Actually,
1: you know what? Someone did say I was funnier once.
0: My mom does not count as somebody. It wasn't okay. your mom. It was my mom. My no. mom said that.
1: No, it was actually somebody else. Oh. It was some, someone else we interviewed.
0: Remember, you said in the other show, you don't lie. So you better no, not be I'm, lying. No, I'm kidding. I'm you, not even kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding. No, I understand.
1: <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my joke? Yes, I'm ready. Why did the croissants take the donuts and bagels to Disneyland?
0: Why did the croissants take the donuts and bagels to Disneyland? Mm. Well, donuts and bagels both have holes in the center. Uh, It's got to be something to do with that. I don't know. Why?
1: They thought it would be fun to take the whole family. Ah.
0: (laughs) See, I just couldn't connect the dots.
1: So maybe uh, their last name's Hole.
0: Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. (laughs) All right, you ready for mine? Yep. All right. Why was the skeleton afraid of the storm?
1: Because he was bony. No. Because he had no muscles, because no. he had no brain, because he had no blood, because he had no skin. He was skinny? Are you he done? Was, he was he was dead. Are you done? You were so close. <laughs> I thought you were going to get it. I was trying Why to Why was the it. skeleton
0: afraid of the storm? He didn't have any
1: guts. I knew that. Dang it. I was getting there. I was going to go through
0: all you didn't the body there.
1: parts he, wasn't, he didn't have. I didn't get to the guts.
0: You didn't get to the guts. No. But you were almost there. I thought you were going to ruin Man, it. Man, I saw a lot and of I guts j- yesterday. Jennifer.
1: I did. We watched The Walking Dead and there was guts flying everywhere.
0: That was not good.
1: That wasn't good.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had to
1: peek through my fingers again. I cannot watch that.
0: You don't, Jen. Don't like murder. No, you don't like murder shows.
1: Yeah, I don't like. I don't like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That does remind me of that. There was, <laughs> it, it was intense. It was bad. It was the last season episode of the final season ten, whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was.
1: There's lots of guts, people. Yeah, <laughs> lots of guts. Happy right. Halloween.
0: Let Let me tell you about our uh, interview guest. All right. Uh, We're going to be talking Mm -hmm. with Medea Kalantar, and she's going to be sharing with us her backstory about becoming a grandmother and the thought of becoming a grandmother, thinking about her own childhood, the melting pot of ethnicities that she has both inside her and that she recognizes that many people have inside of them. And so she's thinking about this. This she's going to be a grandmother. She doesn't know whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. But she just has this: what what gift can I give to my grandchild? Mm. And so um, I call it a download. But over the course of four days, with no experience, with no background, she ended up writing five children children's books. Wow. And incredible stories, great messages. Um, and I think right now during the pandemic, I think that there's a lot of moms that are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. They feel anxiety about, you know, kind of being distance learning and being the teacher and the principal and everything all rolled up in the mom. And and I, I just think that her message is a really, really good message. And I think the message of the books is good. And in fact, I think it's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think somebody listening would enjoy Maybe getting a copy and and sharing that with somebody in their life that they love. Yeah. Because messages are awesome. So shall we get her on the line? Let's call her. All right, here we go. All right, I've got Medea Kalantar on the line. Welcome to the show, Medea. How are you?
2: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be on the show with you guys. Thank you for having me. I'm totally awesome. How are you guys doing?
0: We are living our best 2020 life. Yes, we we are. We are doing awesome as well. I think awesome is a choice. I think happiness is a choice. And so we're we're choosing happiness and joy today. Always. And we're excited to have you on the show because I, you know, I can't wait to talk Thank to you, you about your books and about your experience. But uh, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, Where do you live? Are you married? You got kids? Yeah. That kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I immigrated from Georgia, south of Russia, when I was four years old. And I've been living in Toronto ever since then. Um, married to my husband, a friend who comes from Iran. He immigrated here in 89. We have two beautiful children, Shanaz and John BR, who are in their late 20s. And um, my, they both, they're both married. And um, my daughter has a little boy, his name is Rokenzo. He was actually the inspiration behind the Honey Cake Book series. I'm also a Reiki master, intuitive healer, and spiritual teacher myself. I used to work in the corporate environment uh, for big teammates like Rogers and Shaw uh, for over 20 years. And then, um, you know, after being laid off like three times in a row, with the whole department layoff, off, I felt like the universe was telling me something. <laughs> so I started, to, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I get you, I hear you. I hear the message. okay? Three times. And, I, you know, three is always a number that I would say. Three times, that's it. You know, so I got, right? One, two, yep. three, you're out. Very true. So, uh, I, <laughs> so that time... I said, you know what, my kids are grown. They moved out, and I never actually taken any time for myself. You know, as moms, you know, we never put ourselves first. We always like put our kids and our husbands and all the activities. Because my daughter used to be a high performance athlete. She was a two time Canadian champion, and my my son was in karate and dancing. You know how busy we get that we put ourselves and our own mental health and our own health in the back burner. So I said, you know what, since I'm laid off. I'm going to take time for myself and I'm going to start, you know, just seeing what I can do for myself. And of course that's the time when Oprah and Deepak, you know, put out their 21 day meditation challenge. And I'm like, I love challenges, challenge accepted, let's take this challenge on. So I started with that and, you know, I after doing meditation, I realized like what was missing in my life, you know, getting grounded and centering myself. And, and then of course then came the book I read, was the secret but the secret really did resonate at that time the magic did for me because mm-hmm. that was a book where you have to do homework after every chapter where I was a typical personality where I would usually read a book in four, day, like in four hours but that book made me do homework and it ta- you taught me about gratitude and how important gratitude was and that you know I shift my perspective the way I was looking at things because I always kind of looked at myself as a victim mentality. I always threw myself a pity party, you know, because I didn't have a very good childhood. It was very um, abusive, and I left home when I was 16, and, you know, it wasn't very easy. So I, you know, come from a hard knock kind of life. Um, but, you know, I always felt like I had angels around me, and the universe always guided me in the right direction. So
0: I think Jen can relate to that. Right? Have you said something like that before?
1: The angels?
0: Yeah, and, yeah. and just you, you know, like Jen yeah. left home when she was sixteen too.
1: I, I just feel like there's always a yeah. bubble of protection around me. Like I just always
2: yeah. have this like gut I, feeling. Right. Like if things happen to you, but you always have like something always works out somehow. You know what I mean? Yes.
0: Before you move on, I yeah. just want I just wanna make yeah. sure that we we don't lose this point. So you said you read the secret and that really yeah. that really impacted you, but it wasn't really the, the secret it was the it was the magical component or the magic of it, it? Was the
1: book the gift right yeah or the
2: the, the book of the, the magic books, the sequel to the yeah it's called the magic yes okay the sequel yeah so because the first book didn't really resonate because i wasn't in that mindset yet you know right. about the you know the law of attraction all that it was just too much repetition i was like this is like I, you know I, I couldn't i couldn't comprehend it at that time but the magic which is the sequel of the Secret, that really hit home to me because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it made you do homework every day. Like every day there was a chapter. Like one day you had to like, um, you know, you had the little rock you had to find and then you, you had to write your gratitude what you were grateful for for that day. You know, the, then it started the gratitude journaling. And just really taking the time to appreciate all those little things in life. Like, you know, we take everything for granted. We think that the best life is having the biggest or you know the, the most expensive paying job making millions and thousands of dollars or whatever it is and having a, this type of car but that's not what happiness is true happiness is just being happy and content with your life like you woke up today that's a blessing that's yeah. a miracle so i started to say thank you for everything so the time we wake up now with my ritual is i wake up I open my eyes and I say, Thank you, God, for another day of being alive. I'm so grateful for all the abundance in my life and the all the abundance that's yet to come.
0: I love that. And then Mm -hmm. every
2: step going, right? And then every step going to the bathroom, I say, Thank you. Thank you for this fresh water I have to wash my face and brush Mm -hmm. my teeth and Mm -hmm. be able to take the shower. Because unfortunately, because this happened to me as well, is that we don't really appreciate things until things get taken away from us.
0: So, and that's I, I and that's when
2: I was twenty.
0: That's that's a, that's a yeah, very okay. true statement, Definitely. and I and I think that you know one of the things that reminds me of your situation for twenty twenty kind of the contrast or the similarities between it is that you know I think I heard in your pre description that you'd had several jobs, you got laid off. This was the third time, and then like you really had a mm-hmm. chance to do some soul searching, right. some some like reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that many people exactly. have called uh, 2020 the the great pause. And I think that people mm-hmm. are who who are wise are using the time to reflect on their life. And yeah. I do think that there's there's thousands and thousands, probably millions of people out there that are now faced with the same situation that you were faced with, maybe not under the same circumstances, but you found yourself in a situation where right. now you let go from a job. Right. Now, now you do, you're you right. not sure what the next thing in life is going to be, but you decide to start working right. on yourself mm-hmm. in that moment. You start to decide Correct. to work on sharpening your own saw, work on yourself, try to be the best version, and try to pay attention to what God is, or the universe, however you want to phrase it, is trying to tell you.
2: Yes. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the thing is that I tell everyone that I work with is that you, we all have all been given this gift of time. How I many times have people said, if only I had time, if only I had time, I would learn this or read this book or so spend this time with my children or my family? Well, God has given you this time. Mm-hmm. We have set this reset positive, you know, like that Staples, like that would be easy. Just hit that reset. And use this time to utilize to work for yourself, like go within, or, you know, learn something new. Like you have the opportunity to learn something or start a business or whatever it is. But you have given this gift of time. Everything is just about the way you look at things, your perception in life. So going back to uh, retracking here. So, mm. yeah. So I got married I was 20 and then had my children very young at like twenty and 21. And then at 32... I was diagnosed with a rare blood disorder and the doctor said, say goodbye to your husband, say goodbye to your kids. You're not going to make it. And I was so like, So pa- pause uh, right there. So, so, so a
0: doctor, con- I mean, I, I continue to get frustrated every time I hear this because I, I I've had conversations with a lot of people that have encountered yeah. some sort of significant illness. Yeah. And I feel like what yeah. what, what is being said to them is so defeating yeah. oftentimes. Mm-hmm. The words that yeah. I feel like the medical community, and I understand that the medicine, I mean, like, if you take, if, if there's an 85% chance you're not going to make it, they have to speak to the 85, not to the 15. But it frustrates me that that the bias shouldn't be speaking toward the positive side of the outcome or a different way to say it, you know, Hey, talk to your husband, talk to this, you know, you're, you're basically not going to make it. I mean, there's another way to say it, you know, there's a very limited chance, but I believe that you have the power. If you change your mind, this, that, or whatever that you can, that you can be that, that 15%, you know, there's gotta be a way to say it better than the way they Uh say it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I,
0: I agree. Did you, That's I mean, you couldn't have been like, hope-filled when somebody said that to you. You I, you, you must have thought this is the end. Well, the
2: thing is that I, I, I'm I, not that type of person, though. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know good. I mean? I feel Some people like, are, and that could
0: be very <laughs> I, defeating, you know, for yeah. them. Yeah,
2: And I'm sure it is for a lot of people, but like, you know, the thing is that I left home at 16 with just walked out the door with nothing, like no money, no clothes. Like I just went out believing that I will survive and I will make myself survive. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with this illness is that I was telling the doctor, it's like, uh, you're not going to tell me that I'm not going to make it because I will make it. So thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah you're, you're defiant so, like jen i've got yes. a, i've got a defiant wife too like you, the best way to get her to do something is tell her she can't
2: <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> but it, it wasn't eye-opener it really was because you know up to that point which remember i was telling you that i was living in victim mentality up to that point i was always very suicidal i always felt like i didn't belong in this world because there's so many things are always happening to me and then i realized God is saying well, you always say you don't want to be here, sometimes you're not going to be here. And then I actually, there was a point where I was hovering over my body because I felt like I was like leaving. And I saw um, myself looking down on my body and I said, you know what? Life is a gift and I'm going to do everything in my power from this moving day forward to make every moment count. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why I said that previous statement that people don't realize what they have until it's taken away so here I was going and out of the hospital for three years I was on 250 mils of prednisone which made me gain over 150 pounds I blew up so quickly that my lips were bleeding I couldn't see like my my face was squished like you could not see my eyes I had the hump on the back you know the moon face all that going on and you know it was difficult, but at the same time, I saw the beauty of how I was bringing my husband and my children together, because up to that point, I was that I got married to be a single mom, because he was always working, you know, 18-hour shifts, like, you know, with our business. So he was forced to you now take over and become a parent and brought them closer together. And then I realized that I can't sweat the small stuff, because I was such an A personality, like, you know, like... You know, don't do it unless, you know, do it my way. And then I realized, you know, it's not the right or wrong way. There is no right or wrong. As long as it gets done, who cares how it gets done? You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it made me realize a lot of things. So I grew so much and I learned so much from that moment. And then moving forward, you know, when I'm now uh, in my 40s, and I'm now taking the time to really heal. Because I realize now, now that I, you know, doing the meditation, and then I start to, you know, look at YouTube for all the different things that I could learn. And all of a sudden, the thing pops up and says, do you want to learn about Reiki? And I'm like, what's Reiki? So I start to learn it. And then I realized, I think we this all along, like without realizing I was doing it. Because every time my children were little, or you know, even when they were getting older, and they weren't feeling well, I would automatically put my hand on them with the intention of of making them feel better. And that's what really energy healing is. It's the intention for the higher good, you know, it's pure love and pure attention. And then of course I got my level one, level two, and then I got my master's. And then I started to think, you know what? I self looked at my childhood and I said, you know what? Thank you for everything I went through because it made me stronger to be, to get over the illness when I was 32, because if I didn't have that fire from trying to survive my childhood, I wouldn't have been able to survive that illness. So everything is to shift that perspective, and then I saw myself in a very different light. Where I thought I made this soul contract with God before I was a human being, because we're light beings in a human existence. So this might be hard for people to understand, Mm -hmm. but um, for you know, I realized that I made this contract before I was a human being because you know they said, "Who wants to go through all this turmoil and all this you know tragedy?" But at the end will be a beacon of light and hope for people because you will be given this opportunity to be a vessel and to serve and influence and transform the planet for the higher good. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, my soul father said, Yes, see, I do. I'll do it. <laughs> we but, I
0: think I think we yeah. share that uh, <laughs> that understanding. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I I was gonna ask you at some point in the interview yeah. whether you thought your childhood actually was a blessing or a curse because you know jen and i had Mm -hmm. both separately but individually had you know very transient childhoods i had a stepfather that was very verbally abusive to me he told me that i was never going to amount to anything Mm -hmm. i'd never be successful i'd never do this never do that Mm -hmm. he never laid a hand on me physically really but you know words words matter and words Mm -hmm. have power and so you know some of what he said Mm Really drove me uh, through my adult life to try to prove him wrong, and I now reflect back on it as as equal parts, both blessing and curse. you know I think that we are the product of obviously mm-hmm. the life experiences that we 've shared, and sometimes these things are advantages and disadvantages yeah. but you know an interesting side point to it is our you know second oldest son you know sometimes wishes he had had a more uh, adversity filled childhood because he feels like that would have launched him or or made him uh, more resilient and or fervent to go out into the world he you know he hasn't really experienced a lot of adversity. he sees that as a negative for yeah. his situation <laughs> so it's an interesting contrast you know between the two but uh, mm-hmm. you know as somebody that has had his fair share of adversity I think it's it's God gives us the ability to to make something beautiful out of those ashes you know that there's that there is awesome. all Always a blessing in those broken pieces and um, I think that's what you're speaking to.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Because um, I always say, you know, I, I I don't believe in problems. I believe in solutions and I believe in, like, I don't think that, you know, everything is a challenge because we can rise to the challenge. We can overcome challenges. And, um, you know, that seems a blessing because I always say that it's not about Uh, climbing the highest mountain, you know, making, you know, that, that peak. It's the journey getting to that mountain that we learn the valuable lessons of all the stumbles and all the falls and all the scrapes and all the turmoil, because that's, that's the beauty of it all. That's what life is, you know? So, but yeah, absolutely. So,
0: so tell us how your, how your book journey began, you know, because so you, you fast forward, (laughs) you, you now are a pending grandmother, (laughs) right and so you're yeah. imagining yeah. your grandchild coming into the world and i'm just yeah. absolutely fascinated with the fact that in a very short period of time you were able to as a non-author decide you know what i'm going to do yeah. i'm going to leave a legacy i'm 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 going to do something that that uh, i've never done before and so you you decided to become a children's book author and i think your your stories right. are incredible so just walk us through how that kind of happened Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in 2018, my daughter in told me She was pregnant. And I was so excited and so Mm -hmm. elated that I was going to become a grandmother that I start to bake a honey cake in honor of my baby. Because my baby taught me how to bake a honey cake. It was like a full full, circle moment for me because I'm honoring her. And here I am. I'm going to become a grandmother. So Now, before you go on, I
0: I just have to ask Jen. Because I'd never. (laughs) Do you know what a honey cake is? I'd never heard of a honey cake.
1: No, I don't know what a honey cake is. But I want one.
0: (laughs) Jen is a foodie, so she wants all the food. You you say honey and cake, and she's on board.
1: It might not even Um, be cake, but I still want it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's very, um, it's almost like a sponge cake, pound cake mix, because it's not the consistency of a sponge cake or a a pound cake. It's a mix of that. So it's kind of like that, but it's very rich in the green. It has cinnamon and coffee and nutmeg, and clove. So all these rich, uh, nice ingredients. So you can also add nuts if you want, or raisins. You can make it the way you want it. Wow. But actually, the first book has the recipe at the back. I'm going honey cake. is my grandma's recipe. So- <laughs> well, we've just lost Jen. <laughs> yep.
0: I'm, Je- I'm, Jen, I'm, Jen is out now. She is going to go grab the I'm ingredients. I'm a
2: cake. <laughs> I physically see her
0: mouth watering. She's a total foodie. So I, I, I feel a honey cake coming.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's where the term honey cake mix means. The honey cake means a person with a mix of ethnicities. There's a whole bunch of spices, a whole bunch of mixes. So, mm. and it doesn't matter, like, I, you know, at the end of the day, we're all honey because we're, you know, there's nobody really that's one ethnicity and it doesn't mean color. It doesn't mean the color of your skin. It means like you could be uh, English and German, you're a honey cake, you know, like for, for instance, Sean, Jen, like what is your background?
0: So I am um, mostly European, but I'm also Native American, and Jen is, is a lot, what's your background?
1: I'm a lot, I'm 50, 50% Italian and Irish. Okay, so you both are honey cake, and your children are honey cake. I knew I was a honey cake. I knew it. <laughs> Jen's, Jen's I always it. wanted to be a food. I always wanted to be a honey cake. And now you're telling her she's cake. This
0: this this is awesome.
1: I love this.
2: This is the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the title of the series came. And then, and like you were saying, Sean, I actually never envisioned of being a writer had no background in, you know, literary background or English background or anything like that. But then after I made the cake, I went to sleep. And then I woke up and I felt like these messages were funneling through me. Like I was just, sending these messages from God it was coming to me and I just started to write and I wrote five books in four days like with just writing like everything just came flew out of me and the story for everything I thought the world needed I guess because that's what came out of me mm-hmm. and that's how the story came and that's how the series came and then I'm like well what do I do with this because I was the type of person that I didn't like to be in front of people. I didn't like to speak. Like every time there was a wedding or anything, I had to make a speech. I was always so nervous. But I had to choose at this very moment. And I always thought of that beautiful thing that Maya Angelou always said hope and fear can't occupy the same space. Yeah. You have to choose which one you want to invite to stay. Yeah. So I Love said, you know that. what? I'm going to release the fear. <laughs> I'm going to release the fear. And I'm going to choose hope because I was giving this messages, I was giving this opportunity from God and have to make something happen. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And I, I, I've never read any other children's books. And I just realized that there's so many children out in this world that are like my, my grandchildren. Like, you know, there's no book that represents them because there's no book that shows mixed multicultural families. It's not slowly starting to come up, but then there wasn't any mm-hmm. because he was going to say, Hey, that's like my family. I want honey cake. That's, you know, it represents them and makes it gives them some, such empowerment, you know, to say, Wow, there's something that represents me. But I wanted to make books that didn't just speak about race that actually taught valuable life lessons. So the first book, you know, the grandmother's teaching Nala how to make a honey cake, and she's explaining how each delicious ingredient represents a different family member with his or her unique ethnic background. But that book is more than just a recipe for cake. It's a recipe for life. Because just like the spices in a honey cake, our different ethnicities are blended together to create a single beautiful entity, which is humanity. And it shouldn't be like what makes us unique and different and brings compassion and understanding and positivity into the darkness. Because there's so much negativity out there in the world right now. It's very great. So we need to teach our children that no matter where you come from, or what color your skin is, we're all one race, and that's the human right.
0: Because I love that beautiful so, so true, we're
2: all one, right? So. But
0: before we get on onto yeah. more description of of the books and and I think and the messages, yeah. uh, which I think is going to be really important, I, yeah. I want to go back to something else that you said just just to make sure that the point is is heard and not lost, and that is that. I call okay. your your experience, because I've had these types of experiences as, as well, but I call it a download, and I feel like it is a download from God. I yeah. mean, you, you sat in a quiet yeah. space, you were open to receiving, and, and you just get this flooding, and through you— You know, you just you you were just in this space where I can just imagine over four days, you're just you're just collecting your thoughts and it's just streaming. It's it's flowing. It's like this this conscious state, but almost an unconscious state. And it's just it's just coming through you. And I think that people, people, if they're open to that, if they're aware of that right now in 2020, if if people can sit with that and go, God, listen. What do you What do you want from me? Where, where are you calling me? Where do you need me to go? What 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 do I need to do? And if they're receptive to that, I believe somebody listening could also have their own download, their own resurgence, rebirth. I mean, here you are, not a non-author, you know, never written anything mm-hmm. like this before, but all nope. of a sudden, it just flows through you. And I think that's an important message too. Just because you've never done something before doesn't mean you can't. You know, doesn't mean that God won't allow you or give you or fill you with the grace or the information to be able to produce that. Maybe that is your purpose.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, you know, it's the intention behind it. So, like, once I wrote the book, I only visioned two things. I had these two visions. One, these books had to be in every school and every library. And two, that it would be so great if this book became like a TV series, like an animated TV series, so it can reach the world globally with the messages. That was my vision. That was it. And then I, I found a way to self-publish the book. I actually got um, a sponsor, like where I wrote like a little word about their company at the back of the book, so it helped offset the cost. But like, that was just almost um, doing it by myself with no mentor, no coaching. I just was letting God guide me. And I was just following it and being open, receptive, like you said.
0: Did it feel and like then, that at like, the time? You know, did did you, did you recognize that this was like a, a partnership with God in the moment?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I said, you know, that's why I, I have to say, I have to make this happen no matter what. And I couldn't let fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of financial impact with my family. Cause here I was like, you know, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, like I wasn't working, you know, I wasn't making my, you know, six figures of Sally like I used to I have to put this out I, I believe that I was chosen for a reason I had to do it like so it, it wasn't a choice for me I had to get it out there and I wasn't letting fear stop me so yeah and, and um but it's weird because like you know I wrote it in October of 2018 and the first book didn't come out till February because by the time I figured out like to find a publishing house about hybrid publishing houses and illustrator all that. Because it, it takes a bit three, three months to put the book together with the editing and illustration and cover design and sure, there's so much that goes into a little book with, you know, illustration, a picture, but for children, um, the writing part was the easiest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the great. So there, there's so much that I learned. And then the first book came out in February, um, the end of February, actually. And then it was funny because my grandson was born. And like I said, Nala, you know, the main character in the book, I, I didn't know that I was going to have a grandson, but she's the main character. She's the only fictional character. So um, that's why, you know, the first book you'll see uh, my grandson is making an appearance in the book. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And
0: and in your mind, what's the ideal age that you were writing to? Like what, what, what would you say to parents right now is the ideal age range for these books?
2: You know, honestly, to be honest, like, you know, in the, you know, in the literary world, they say the age should be between three to six. But I think at any age, because even though technically these books are for children, I've had parents or adults who don't even have children. They love the books. They just love the messaging. They love the stories. They just thought there's such good family core values because you lost that. That's the thing that each of my books offer is also that, it's showing a different family member teaching knowledge about valuable life lessons. There's a metaphor for each book. But there's also a family activity. So every book is showing that the family is coming together. Like the first book is with her, you know, cooking baking a cake with her grandmother. And then the second book, you know, which help I swallow a butterfly, which is like teaching children how to overcome anxiety.
0: I and love that title by like, by so- the way. That the, I, I was immediately <laughs> struck. <laughs> help I swallowed a butterfly. That <laughs> yeah. I think every every kid could relate to that. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I swallowed oh, a butterfly. No, no, no. Jen just told me the other day she swallowed a gnat while we were running. So oh, you know.
1: I, I, I do every day. <laughs>
0: You know, I got I got one too when, when I was in Mexico and that's the weirdest experience because you sit there and you think about it like all of a sudden something flies into your mouth. You're yeah. like, oh, like, you just that's not fun."
1: I just started embracing it. <laughs> I was like, it's, Jen, it's Jen's like, happen. I got my
0: protein in.
1: I, I think I say that every single time. I'm like, yep, extra protein. And
0: then one of her favorite phrases is, you know, I've eaten eight, eight spiders. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You've eaten eight. Well, they say if when you sleep, you know, in your lifetime, you'll probably have swallowed like eight spiders.
1: Everyone eats eight spiders. That's gross. I know, but you don't know it.
0: Well, that makes it even more gross. It's,
1: it's when you're sleeping. It, I know. And then you
0: wake <laughs> it, up and you see? give me a kiss yeah. in the morning. So guess what? Think about that next time. <laughs> you
1: you had spiders. I had spiders. So it's all good.
0: Well, we didn't have spiders on the same day. Oh. so <laughs> Unless we were infested.
1: <laughs> it's true, though. She even oh said it was true.
0: Now. Yeah, she's, I know. So, so the second book was Help, it's I Swallowed true, a bu- yeah. butter Butterfly. <laughs> And uh,
2: follow butterfly. But it's actually a play in words. Like it's, she didn't actually follow a butterfly. It's, <laughs> a, it's what happened was like she's about to present in class, and she freezes up, and she gets so nervous that she can't speak, and she gets all sweaty. But the teacher's like, "It's okay, sweetie. You just have butterflies in your stomach." <laughs> so it's a precious account of one girl's misunderstanding of the idealism of butterflies in your stomach. So. I love it. That's cute.
0: (laughs) But I thought, I thought what you said before is so, So appropriate, though. But like right now, the message, how many kids are anxious right now in 2020? How many kids are feeling? They're feeling the energy of their parents. They're feeling the energy of the situation. And they're feeling that anxiety. That's
1: why these books aren't just for kids, because adults are, too. And I suffer from anxiety. So I swallowed lots of butterflies (laughs) in my (laughs) lifetime, too. So
2: she she probably swallowed a few before she got on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> True. yeah because you know what life can be stressful at any age but with the right tools and mindset that yes. you can come over any obstacle so like I didn't start meditating until I was in my 40s and can you imagine if we teach children at an mm-hmm. early age so by the time they get into adolescence and you know more things are happening in their life they go you know what I know what to do I'm going to just pause right now I'm going to take some deep cleansing breaths from my belly deep belly breathing and I'm going to release you know and then visualize. So there's step by step meditation, the deep belly breathing, and then uh, setting positive intentions. So visualizing have yourself a wonderful day. So it's a wonderful introduction to my, mindfulness for children for the second book. So yeah. yeah, and then yeah. So the and then the third book is called Special Magical Powers because we all have this. And what is it kindness? Yes. kindness is a gift we can all afford to give. So now it's about to you know, go to a shelter with her uncle and her grandma and she's gonna bring her unused clothes and uh, toys to Rainbow Hall. But on the way, she's learning these beautiful things with kindness, like smiling. Smiling is the most beautiful act of kindness that you can get to anyone. And it's free, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. cost anything. But she's I always envision people as candles, right? So this is what I said in the book too, because um everything I said, everything in the book I, I believe in and I teach myself. So I always say that people are like candles and when you walk by a person, you see them, you know, slumped down and not having a good day. And then when you smile at them, you just give this loving, warm smile. All of a sudden, you see them light up mm-hmm. and the candles are it all of a sudden, right? And then because they're lit up, they're going to light someone else's candle. It just keeps going on and on and on. Oh, it that's on. a great analogy. So, that's a great visual. That is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, she goes to rainbow hall and sees like, you know, opening the door is another way of kindness and using your manners. Please and thank you. And then, of course, like the gift of giving. Mm-hmm. Because here she's being introduced to something that most kids aren't introduced to, which is there are people in this world who don't have everything that most of us have. There are people in this, you know, family, in this, in this home, in this shelter, who've lost their home, whether it's due to financial uh, or a fire, or whatever it is, but you're introducing children to the gift of the spirit of giving. And not just once a year, you know, during the holidays, but to make it that everyday occurrence. So it's so easy to give back. Because what are you going to do with those crows? Unless you're passing it over to another child, you know, like it's in, the, in the household or a cousin, give it to someone else that can use it. Because I would say someone else's treasure is trapped, another person's treasure. So there's just so many ways to give back. You know, even helping your neighbor. Like, you know, there's an elderly couple that can't make their leave. There's just so many ways that we can be kind in this world. And kindness is needed now more than ever with everything that's going on in this world. Like We all have to be so kind and compassionate, especially to all the beautiful frontline workers and everyone that's putting themselves at risk, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. It reminds me, Jenna. of of our... I was just going to say to Jen, it reminds me of uh, our oldest, like his, like this hat he's been wearing for like two years. It's its favorite hat. It's, we haven't been able to find a, another one that looks exactly like it uh, because where we got it, they, they basically uh, sold out and out of inventory, but it said kindness matters. Like yeah. he wears it everywhere. And and yeah. I th- anytime I think about the subject of kindness, I think we all need grace right now in 2020. And I think we all need to bias yeah. toward kindness yeah. because we have no idea yeah what somebody's going through, yeah. whether it's, you know, they could have lost Absolutely. a house due to fire. They they could have lost somebody due to a pandemic. Right. They could be about to lose their job. They could exactly. be, you know, like this is, yeah. this is the twenty twenties have been a year of challenges. And so I think kindness is now more yes. important than ever.
2: Absolutely. And not just to other people, but to yourself as well. Yeah. Like, let's be kind to ourselves. We always forget that we need to be, and not have negative self-talk and, you know, say horrible things to ourselves about ourselves. So kindness is about everyone, you know, of Mm -hmm. course showing kindness to other people, but also to ourselves is very important. And then the the fourth book is called A Circle of Trust. So this book has a dual purpose. is to enlighten children on the importance of trust and open communication, as well to educate parents on the vital need to create a safe space for children to open up at a young age, because could you imagine if we had this beautiful open dialogue? Because I always um, done this with my children. Every Sunday, we had, I called it the Circle of the it was like an open, safe forum where they can talk to us and we can talk to them. Because even though they're children, we should treat, treat them like little human beings and not just like you know better or whatever. Because it would be openly sharing, like I would share my feelings and they would share their feelings. So it's so important to create this safe haven. So when something goes wrong, they know that they feel secure with their family members, whoever it may be, with no judgment, with no criticism, that, that they'll always be having a loving, open arms with unconditional love, you know, with them. So it, 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 I thought it was so important to build this trust to create this safe space so, uh, you know, children come to us whenever something's bothering us. And, and once they get older and things get a little bit more tough, it'll be easier because you already created this. Environment for them, you
0: know what I mean. Well, Jen, Jen and I can relate because I, yeah. I think we need to give the Circle of Trust book to our third oldest son, Brayden, because he's <laughs> the most quiet, secretive, yes. non forthcoming kid we've got. Like getting information out of that boy's like pulling teeth. I'll exactly. tell you what, Ooh, yes. even his brothers struggle to get information I out know. of that silent kid.
2: He's
1: yeah. really quiet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's the yeah. he's the most quiet. Yeah. And so we we often interpret that as he's sixteen by the way. So we often interpret that as he's he's yeah. just stoic. He's, you know, thinking, etc. But boy that yeah. that boy is tough yeah. to get information out of. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But you know, he's also yeah. seen Even when
2: he was even when even he was little, like when he was little,
0: yeah, so he he's had the luxury of of seeing, you know, because as as I'm an only child and Jen comes from a big family. So you know, like I, I had high expectations of my two oldest kids, you know, they're 24 and 23 now probably too high of expectations. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. understand what being a parent was. And as I reflect back, I would mm-hmm. probably do some things differently. But I guess the point is my third mm-hmm. oldest got a chance to see <laughs> exactly all of the <laughs> mistakes that his older brothers made and all of the conversations <laughs> and the discussions and yeah. all that other stuff. So we always felt like he was always just kind of more observant than yeah. anything. And so just processing mm-hmm. and taking it mm-hmm. all in. But I, I think we need to give him that book. Circle, <laughs> of tr- Sit down, Braden. It's time for the circle of trust, right? It's endless You're. <laughs> We love you.
2: Now it's time for Circle okay. of Trust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the fifth book that just launched on September 1st, uh, which I thought was the best way to end the series, was uh, Honey Cake Counting on My Blessings, which you know shows incorporates gratitude in our everyday lives. You know, because the sense of gratitude can benefit children and adults in various ways. Right? It can decrease stress. It can, you know, have other important emotional health benefits. So, a person who's grateful tends to spend less time comparing him or herself with others and feeling envious. So, this book is teaching children to, you know, how gratitude can help them focus on what matters most in life. Mm. So, like Nala's about to become a big sister, and uh, this is where you know the candles get born, and she sees that everybody's bringing presents and spending so much um, time and. Uh, showing all this infection to the child. And the grandmother calls her and says, oh, that's that's my nickname. But then the grandmother takes her and starts talking with her and teaching her how to count her blessings, like all the things that are important. But the book also teaches that we don't only have to be grateful every day for all the wonderful things that happen, but also for when things don't go right, like, you know, um, because that's where the most valuable lessons are learned. And, you know, it's teaching children about the importance also about frontline workers because things they don't think about. So, you know, it's interesting to children that, you know, when you wake up every morning, that water that's flowing with the food that's on your table, well, the farmer has to make it and the truck driver has to bring it to the grocery store. So There's so many people involved and there's so many beautiful miracles that happen every day that we don't think about. So all these beautiful little moments in this book, teaching gratitude, and I thought, what a beautiful way to finish the series is with gratitude. Mm.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. We've had several guests come on our Hope Radio podcast talking about gratitude. And I think gratitude is an essential component to the foundation of, of hope. I think that if you're grateful for what you have and what you're doing and what you, you know, you like, it's very hard to feel lack when you are grateful for mm-hmm. what you do have instead yeah. of focusing on what you don't have. And so I, I agree to teach children that lessons. We, we've had a guest on that um, was able to get over 7,000 gratitude journals into the school system down in LA in the San Diego area and for a year was able to have kids write into their gratitude journal and in the incidence of violence went down the incidence of bullying went down graduation and performance went up it was just really incredible to hear uh what you know a focus Mm -hmm. or gratitude practice can do so I think I think you're spot on with that. Right. I think that was a great way to uh, finish the series. So tell our listeners how they That's can find cool. the books. Like if somebody w- was curious, they wanted to, to get their hands on them, you know, totally. wh- where where can they do so?
2: Well, the books are available worldwide on Amazon, of course. And if you want more information, you can go to honeycakebooks.com, which is my website. Um, my Facebook is at Honeycake Books. Twitter is at Honeycake Books. Instagram is at Honeycake Books. <laughs> so everything is Honeycake Books. So you'll, you'll find it you'll find it but it's you know available worldwide and the beautiful thing about these books also is that even if you don't have children you have nieces or nephews or even teachers you don't see teachers and vice principals thank me for having these books in their school system because whenever there was diversity week um we only had books with animals that did didn't actually show actual families so they were so happy to have these types of books so Buy a book for someone you love mm-hmm. instead of a card because so a card usually now costs eight, six to nine dollars these days anyway. Buy a book, write your message inside the cover, and then give them them the book as a card because now they have a beautiful book. So when they open it, they will always remember you, mm-hmm. and in, they're learning a very valuable lesson from the story. I
0: oh, love I love that! Yeah, that's great. So
1: much better than a <laughs> card that you throw
2: away. I know exactly. Jen Jen and I are over cards for helping the environment. I'm totally against my kids are
1: not allowed to purchase greeting cards and give them as you know, mother's day or Christmas or birthday. Yeah. I require a handwritten letter. It's free. You just have to use your own words. And yeah, I don't, I'm not spending $6 on a card that I'm people throw away. I wouldn't throw them away if they're for my kids, (laughs) but most people throw them away.
0: Would you throw my card away? Yeah.
2: No. Well, of
1: course. <laughs> I would throw your cards away. But, like, if it was just, like, a friend or, you know, a co-worker, yeah, i throw them away. So. Yeah.
0: I think that's a great point. You, you know, buy a book instead of a You would never a throw a book away. No, you wouldn't.
2: You would never. Exactly. You would never throw the book away. And the person will always remember you yes. when they read the story. And they, oh, that's my auntie or uncle or whoever, mom, dad, grandma, whoever. Yep uh gave me this book and then they they read the story they remember you by it so you know add a little to your life and pick up a series honey cake, you know because we're all honey cakes at the end of the day and i'm so grateful and honored that I was able to come on the show with you know you guys and you know every day and this moment i'm so grateful for it so thank you thank you thank you
0: well, we were so uh, blessed and thankful to have you on the show. I think your message is well received. I think that there's a lot of people out there right now in, in the age of the pandemic, especially moms that are having to tackle distance learning, being yeah. a teacher, being a superintendent, being the lead disciplinarian, having to figure out the curriculum. I, I just imagine somebody right now with young kids going, you know, here, here's a bright spot here. I'm, I'm going to pick up these books and I'm going to feel good about giving them to my children. And I think the messages are going to be conveyed the way that, you, you know, it's, it's like it's a guaranteed positive. It's a guaranteed uplift in yeah. the child and for the benefit of, of the parents to, uh, to give those books yeah. to, to their kids. And and so thank you. Thank you for yes, following the, you. God's lead on that. That's and right. thank you for those four days thank where you, you knocked out five books. I I, I'm in awe of that. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, you know, I'm just so grateful to God for allowing me to serve and influence and trust on this planet for the highest. So That's what we're all here for. We're all here to serve humanity and make this world a better place. That's right.
0: Well said. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Jen, what did you think about our interview with Medea?
1: I think I'm going to go home and bake a honey cake.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs>
1: I really am. The recipe is right in the book, and I'm going to make a honey cake.
0: It sounds delicious. You take honey and put it together with a cake.
1: You can put it, a whole bunch of things in it.
0: What I like something. Uh, uh, this is my honey cake. I, it, it has honey, and it's and it's a dessert, and it's a it's a what is that stuff called? It's it looks like squishy pastry, and it's baklava, isn't it baklava? Yeah, I love that. Is it honey? Isn't it honey? I don't think so. What's in it, though, that makes it sticky?
1: Um, sugar? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sidetracked.
0: I can't wait for you to make a, a honey cake. I think our boys would like that, too.
1: Yes, I'm going to make a honey cake in the shape of a heart.
0: Here's what I like. I like that she followed her God prompting. Mm-hmm. I like that she took her situation that she was in, reflected, and said, you know what, I'm going to do something for me. She started work on herself first, yeah. and then... At, a, at the precise moment it needed to happen she she i call it a download but she gets this download from god and in, in four days writes five books and they're incredible books i couldn't right. believe it what a, what a what an awesome thing to happen i love all the messages for each book talking about inclusiveness kindness mm-hmm. talking about gratitude anxiety. talking about anxiety yeah. you need that book
1: gratefulness you,
0: you swallow a lot of butterflies
1: i eat all of them
0: and every time we come into the podcast, you've got butterflies swimming in your tummy.
1: I do. I do. Yeah. I do. I do.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think that's I'm, a great this message. Isn't,
1: I'm not naturally this person on the radio. <laughs> like, I <laughs> don't like to speak like this, but you are a natural.
0: My dad said I had the gift of gab.
1: My, I hope he meant my that as a My mom said I talk way too much.
0: You have the gift of Gab, too. But
1: it wasn't a gift. She never told me it was a gift.
0: Oh, she just said you talk too much.
1: She said you're doing this, but you need to do this.
0: <laughs> I can't believe... Any-
1: it.com.
0: I can't believe anybody would say that to you.
1: You tell me that all the time, too. Jennifer. So. It's okay. I talk a lot, and I know Sometimes it. And I'm not volume- going to change who I am y- for anybody.
0: You don't talk a lot when it comes to the podcast. I
1: am a professional listener with a voice.
0: You choose to use your voice when you want to use your voice.
1: Exactly.
0: Well... You don't want to
1: open a can of worms because then if I start talking, you won't get anything in elsewise.
0: Really? Yeah. I kind of sense that you're correct on that. You're (laughs) probably right.
1: (laughs) I have a lot to say.
0: You do have a lot to say, you know. So if somebody, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to say more. If somebody wants to uh, get more connected and or listen to us on various platforms, how do they do so?
1: Well, they can listen to this podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio and Spotify and SoundCloud and Google Play and Alexa.
0: All they're going to do is look for Hope Radio Podcast, right? That's right. That's right. And then if somebody wants to connect with us on our socials, how do they do that?
1: We are on Instagram and Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast.
0: Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a listen. Send us a message. If you have a story of hope to share, if you know somebody else that has a story of hope to share, send us a message. We'd love to have you more guests on the show.
1: We always are looking for more people to talk to.
0: You know what? And I just had such a good time today. Um, I'm booking us for another interview tomorrow. What do you say?
1: I say I'm in. A team? A team.
0: Let's go. Another interview tomorrow. Okay. Here we go.